As a free, not-for-profit service, Cradio requires the support of people like you to help keep us going in our mission. To donate, visit cradio.org.au slash donate. Cradio. The Crusades, a Catholic atrocity, a talk by Daniel Hill. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, this is a talk I've given before. I alter it a little bit every time. Um, but there might be a couple of slides I quickly flick through, so, you know, um, don't be worried. But uh, the Crusades are Catholic atrocity. I think we can all agree that, you know, the average punter on the street, you say the word crusade, it's like, oh, yeah, the, you know, the Catholics, you know, the evil Catholics went and massacred all these poor innocent Muslims. And that's kind of the story. Would you guys agree? Um, that's generally what what's out there. Look, it's up, maybe you'll have time I can explain to you where, how we got to a public view of that, of the, of, about the Crusades uh, like that. Um, but the short answer is that is incorrect. Um, and what I'm going to do is, is talk about the First Crusade um, for two reasons. One, it's the first one. It's the, um, you know, the, the, the foundation of the Crusading movement. And a little bit more um, <clears throat> practically, it's because it's the one I study the most, so I know more most about it. Um, but but even even more so, it gives us kind of an insight into why crusades start to happen, uh, and we can get to some some conclusions about them. Um, I'll refer to Muslims a lot, uh, as you might imagine, um, but this talk isn't about are Muslims right or wrong. Or you know that's, that's a totally different discussion. Um, I'll just I'm just I'll just present historical facts. You know a lot of us have Muslim friends. Um, I've got a couple, but it doesn't mean that um, you know what happened uh, <clears throat> we can't talk about. Yeah. So that's that's that. So to kind of understand where the first crusade, <clears throat> how it begins, we've got to look at kind of, I'll look at the state of the Mediterranean um, after or during the crumbling of the Western Roman Empire, um, which was based around what city? Anyone know? It's the capital of the Roman Empire, particularly the Western Roman Empire. Don't be scared. That's correct, Rome. Um, <clears throat> at one stage uh, later in the empire's history, the empire was considered too big and they split it in two and they founded a second city uh, on a in a place called Byzantium, which was changed to Constantinople and which is now called what? Istanbul. Istanbul by some. I still call it Constantinople, but yeah, <laughs> just among my friends. Um, <clears throat> and that's where you get kind of the later term, the Byzantine Empire. Uh, they consider themselves the Roman Empire. Um, they didn't consider themselves the Byzantine Empire. You know, we, we have names for things, they have names for things, but the, the concept's different. Um, <clears throat> but I'm, I'm referring to the Roman Empire here very importantly because um, this underpins all the mindset when it comes to what's going on here. So the Western Roman Empire, as you can see already around here, we've got a few um, little kingdoms springing up, including, of course, the Huns that uh, take, you know, uh, they're, they're immigrating different tribes that, you know, once became part of the Roman Empire and then, you know, kind of went to war, known as the barbarian invasions in, in history. And the Western Roman Empire essentially disintegrates. There's no more emperor. Um, the 
<clears throat> at the same time, most of these tribes and most of the pagans in the Roman Empire become Christian. And we're talking about the Western Roman Empire, we've gone to the Eastern yet. Um, and the papacy, um, almost by default, assumes a certain kind of um, coordinating role when it comes to you know, civil life and um, the way the, the world is organised and the European world is organised simply because it is the only institution left that can do it. Um, and essentially, <clears throat> um, all, so, uh, this is confusing, all this area becomes Catholic. Um, the Eastern Roman Empire also became Catholic. In fact, Constantinople uh, was the place where Emperor Constantine declared Christianity an acceptable religion. Um, and all this light blue shaded area was Christian. All the top of North Africa was Christian. Um, and then you have the big Persian Empire, which is very, very ancient um, to, um, the, to the Far East. Uh, it gets destroyed first by the Muslim invasions. Um, so let's move forward. <clears throat> uh, this is kind of reiterating my point. So you can see the Byzantine Empire, a Christian empire, um, at one stage, it's very important, it split from the papacy, but at this stage it hasn't yet. Um, that's a Christian, that's Christian. But you see just a little rise of a new religion called Islam uh, down there in Medina and near Mecca. This is um, 624 AD, as you can see. Not very long. There's an enormous expansion. And this is an expansion by people hugging each other. This is a military expansion. Um, you can see the <clears throat> Persian Empire, the Sassanids, as they're referred to here, is completely gone. And North Africa, enormous parts of North Africa uh, are gone. Uh, Alexandria, the seat of St. Mark, that is, you know, I say gone, they're not gone, they're conquered, they're under the, or the um, powerful uh, and aggressive authority of um, the, the, the post-Muhammad Muslims. <clears throat> but you also see here that the Byzantine Empire is diminishing. A little bit further on, a lot of people don't realise that the Islamic invasions um, came all the way into France. Uh, 732 AD, the Battle of Tours, where they're, they're finally defeated. Uh, and um, <clears throat> uh, that, is a, that area is a particular source of crusader thinking, like, well, how do we defend ourselves? And it kind of spreads from there. Um, a couple of preemptors to the Crusades uh, here. We've got the conquest of Jer Jerusalem in 637 AD. Um, then the, entire, the conquest of almost the entire, uh, entirety of the Iberian Peninsula, which is... Spain, so Spain and Portugal, that's the Iberian Peninsula. Um, the Battle of Covadonga is kind of where the Moors, finally the Moors are the kind of the North African invading Muslims are, are stopped. Battle of Tours, I just mentioned, a very, very important date um, because that is the, <clears throat> until much later, the Ottoman Empire when they come up to the gates of Vienna, uh, which is a much, you know, it's kind of, not what I'll be talking about, that is the furthest they come uh, into Europe. But you also have 
Sicily is, con is conquered, and Sicily is very important because it's a big island, the gateway to Europe via Italy. Um, so the Pope himself, who rules most of, the, of Italy at the time and did up until quite recently, uh, has to contend with Islamic invasion. And in fact, um, they actually, in 846, they, they take St. Peter's Basilica, the old basilica, not the current one, and they sack it completely. And these are, they don't stay there because they can't, um, but um, an army of you know, pirates uh, take and destroy uh, the city. But the most important thing when it comes to the crusading is the Battle of Manzikert. And the Battle of Manzikert, um, we can see happens here, a few other battles listed, but is, um, <clears throat> is what we've got is in 1071, we can see that the entirety of Asia Minor here, no longer ruled by the Byzantine Empire. The Christians no longer have control of this area. Right up to the gates of Constantinople, uh, they come just across the water. And the Battle of Manzikert is the last-ditched effort by the Byzantine Emperor, I can't remember his name, um, where he got the, his remaining troops from all these battles and to fight the um, Turkish uh, Muslims at the time. And he was completely, utterly defeated. He has no army left. Uh, and they sweep right up to the gates of Constantinople. The, um, <clears throat> and from that, we get a couple of things going on. The Byzantine emperor asks the pope for help. Uh, and, of course, the pope is very interested in helping. But... But we have also had a break between the Eastern and Western churches, you know, the Orthodox and the Catholics. And that happens um, in the 1050s, uh, I think. I'll, I'll refer to it here. And, but there's a constant desire for unity from, from the papacy and from the Byzantines. We want to reunify. And when you've got that attitude, which is a good attitude, plus you've got the Byzantine emperor who's essentially in many ways the head of the church so he's not he doesn't run the church he doesn't um, perform the rituals but you know there's a very strong connection in those days between ruling a kingdom well and making sure the church in your kingdom is done well when the byzantine emperor seeks help the papacy wants to respond but what do we got in the west um, <clears throat> a whole variety of different kingdoms it's no longer the western roman empire um, they're all christian uh, the spanish you can see have pushed back, um, and they've been fighting uh, the Muslims for a while. Um, and you, but what you've got is the kind of the first settling after all of these tumultuous years of, of infighting and figuring out who's in charge of what area and this group and that group fighting each other, you finally get these kingdoms are kind of settled and the Pope calls for a crusade. This is kind of what, what kind of, this is my definition that this is what comes out, what, what's being thought of, that, that the Crusades are an, are an act of defence, are an act of love to look after those who have been conquered, um, who, are under the, who are under oppression. It is um, an act of um, self-defence, con uh, considering continued um, Islamic attack upon um, Christians, Christian Christian lands. Now, 
you can, you can have a read of this, I'm not going to read it out to you. This is my definition, um, because when we talk about the church, there's always an argument, what does the church mean? Right? Like, but fundamentally it meant the people, of, the people of God. But particularly as Catholics, we understand that the church is incarnate. Like the church isn't just an idea. It's, it's here, Christ became a, a human being, and, and we do acts of virtue uh, as he commanded, commands us. It's not just... I believe and everything's fine. Um, and we also believe that physical things other than just us um, are sacred. And that's pilgrimage sites, relics, the place where Christ himself walked, churches and things like that. Um, and by the nature of, of this understanding that we're incarnate, political realities affect us. And we know this now, what's going on with the seal of the confessional. Like, it's not just, oh, it's no worries because that's just political and we're, we're heavenly. Like, that's our ultimate aim, but, but we have kind of this mystical union uh, mirroring Christ himself where our spiritual well-being um, and what is right and good and just actually has physical consequences. You, you know, you, you, you need judges who are honest, et cetera, et cetera. And it comes down to in this period where um, there's no police, no international law, you know, you've got to defend yourself. And it's uh, incumbent upon you to do so and to defend your neighbour. Um, <clears throat> and this is becoming more and more a theme in the church this time because the crusading movement wasn't just, oh, you know, oh let's go and kill some Muslims now because we've got some time on our hands. It was, you know, to put it that way, it was part and parcel of, of a church reform movement which was looking at, well, what is the role of lay people uh, in the church? Um, what is uh, the, the role of knights? And what is the place of the church? Uh, down the bottom here, ecclesiastical liberty. That the church isn't subservient to the king, even if he's Catholic. The king has, a, has influence, but, but the, the church is independent of. And when you have this notion, well, you know, we're, we're, we've got that notion here, but look at all these poor Christians who are calling out for help um, in formerly Christian lands, uh, you can kind of see how it's underscored this is a big problem. Um, <clears throat> now, this is a very important point too. This is my translation, but is the only actual translation we have of what the Pope intended the crusade to be. Uh, whoever for devotion alone, not to obtain honour or money, very important, shall set out to free the church of God at Jerusalem, they shall be count that shall be counted to him for all penance. Which, now, for those theologians here, that this is the first example of plenary indulgence in the history of the church. Very interesting. But um, you can see inherent in this, the attitude of the crusading was freeing the church, um, uh, the other word, you could say, liberating the church and for devotion alone, not for money, not to gain booty and wealth and all that. love using the word booty. Uh, it's original sense. Imagine what would happen if you looked it up on Google uh, Dictionary. Um, <clears throat> but um, <clears throat> so you can see from the very word go. Now, now we know what the First Crusaders, why they went from their own words because we have enormous number of records of those who were going who were putting their affairs in order before they left 
uh, and they're recorded in monasteries and you know, uh, castles. And, and um, there's a lot of work being done on that. And the result was they went because they cared about God. You know, this is, this, they, these were Christian people who actually wanted to do a good thing. Um, and it's very, very important. Now, here's a, here's a couple of the church leaders. I'll just probably skip through these. Um, let's get into kind of the fun stuff, really. Uh, um, these are the type of crusading soldiers you have. Um, you, you got the crusader, the typical Western crusader, often called the Franks at the time, yeah, which meant French, but there was a whole variety of them. Um, on the right, you've got the Byzantine um, soldier. On the middle is a knight hospital who's just had a big nut out the RSL. And um, uh, he's going to be excited about what's coming up. But he, uh, that's, you know, he, hospital is, even though it says 13th century, it's still, I think that's a bit wrong. You know, it's, um, it's a, the way he's dressed is a bit more how the soldiers were dressed at the time. Um, I'm just putting this in there because the boys love it. Um, and here's an example of um, some more crusaders, um, the more Byzantine and Italian type. Now you can see kind of, kind of what um, they wore. And here's the, the Islamic type. Now there are two main Islamic groups at the time that the Crusades, Crusaders meet, the Turkish uh, Muslims and their horse archers mainly. Um, they're split into a number of kingdoms. So that's what we've got here, you know, Turks. Um, <clears throat> here's an example of kind of what it, might, what it was like. And let me check the time, I could go on and on. Um, and here's the Fatimids. Now the Fatimids are the Egyptians. So they, don't, they control Jerusalem, but they don't control the northern part of, of um, Palestine and Asia Minor. Here's an example of, this is kind of where the, how the first crusaders went. And they come from all different places. Raymond of Toulouse is the most powerful of the nobility who go. Um, and they all meet in Constantinople and there's a very interesting exchange that historians still work out with the um, Byzantine emperor. But the kind of the upshot of most research and the, is that they had come to an agreement where they, they did fealty to the Byzantine emperor and that is a sign saying all lands we conquer come under the, the Byzantine Empire, which underscores the notion that this was about reconquering, not conquering, reconquering, reclaiming lands around this area um, in order to re-establish you know, you know, Christians and to defend Christians. Um, Bowman of Taranto is an interesting one. Now he's a Norman. Now, Normans essentially they're Vikings, right? They're not long. His 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 grandparents were Vikings, um, and they're the, you know they're the ones where you think, well, what are these Crusaders up to? You know, because the Crusaders might have been do it. The, the, it might have been justified war, but it doesn't mean they're all good blokes. You know, you can imagine sometimes you can imagine a bunch of bikies who decide to do the right thing. Like they're still tough blokes, you know, who are who are often a lot of these guys are doing this for penance for sin, so. So um, I don't want to put off the idea that, you know, there's this kind of oh, Sir Galahad's running around who do nothing wrong. No, no, it's, it's, it's not about that, but the whole notion of what they're doing and why they're doing it. But you might be able to argue that, you know, the Norman part were maybe after, you know, their own principality or something, and that's kind of what they get up to. But, uh, um, <clears throat> and you, they, 
They conquer Nicaea. Uh, they, they have a battle in Doralaeum, which is just kind of the desert, and they split off into two columns, um, and the Turks attack, and they can't defend themselves, so they pitch all their tents to protect themselves from the Islamic horse archers because they can't ride through the tents. They all get caught up in the arrows, can't go through. And then um, the second half of the Crusader army come and rescues them. So that's their first near disaster. Um, they get to Antioch, which is an enormous city, um, where the word Christian was first used, uh, where St. Peter had, was the first bishop of Antioch before he went to Rome. Um, I'm speeding up the story, but they besiege the city. They fend off an army um, coming from uh, the Turks. Uh, they conquer the city because uh, a Maronite lets them in. Um, a lot of Maronites are referred to in the history books, the, the original accounts. And <clears throat> But then they get besieged themselves by an enormous army and they haven't conquered all the city, so part of the city is also attacking them too. And the Byzantines haven't joined them yet. And this is where everything gets interesting. The Byzantines haven't joined them. Um, they have a general following them who gets really scared of what's going to happen, thinks the Crusade's going to fail because they're really in strife, and he runs away. But also one of the Crusaders runs away, a quite senior one, Stephen of Blois. And they're running back and they meet an enormous Byzantine army led by the emperor himself. And they say to him, mate, it's all that we're done for, it's all over. And he's out there exposed, he doesn't want another Manzikert, so he goes home. The Crusaders then, the whole deal's off in a way, because they were waiting for this army so they could continue. Um, <clears throat> so it gets very complicated about, well, um, are we, do we swear, uh, is our fealty to the Byzantine Empire um, legit? Because they don't know that he didn't turn up because of these guys, they just, he just didn't, doesn't show. Um, <clears throat> Interesting, Stephen Obar goes back all the way back home to France and then he's back and then the word comes that they've conquered Jerusalem and his wife sends him back again out of shame and then he dies. So, um, always do what your wife says. <laughs> um, eventually they defeat the Turks in a phenomenal battle, a 10 to 1. Um, no one can describe why. Uh, and there's all these you know, talk of you know, visions in the sky and things like that. You don't have to believe that, but it, it's, it's interesting. And then because of that, there's really no defence up into Jerusalem. And then they get to Jerusalem <clears throat> and um, they... <clears throat> uh, it's, Jerusalem is not under the control of the Turks, as I said, it's under the control of the Fatimids. And they surround Jerusalem, they do processions around Jerusalem in very similar to um, the rite, the medieval rite of the consecration of a church. Um, Italian, Italian sailors, a <coughs> fleet of Italian um, crusaders turn up on the coast and they bring wood and, you know, what do you do? What do you do um, if, you, if you're besieging a city and you've got some wood? Build some catapults. So that's what they did. Um, there's a trebuchet and they also built some siege towers. Um, without these, they, wouldn't, they, they may not have ever defeated um, the city walls and very likely would have been destroyed by a, a, an army coming from Egypt. Um, but for whatever reason, they, they managed to, to conquer Jerusalem. Um, <clears throat> after, after this, there's a number of different crusader states set up. The Kingdom of Jerusalem, you can see down here, 
um, Kingdom of Tripoli, Antioch, Edessa, etc., etc. So you, you, re, you see that these aren't Byzantine. The intention was they were meant to be Byzantine, but that's just not how the cookie crumbled, so to speak. And if if they hadn't, the army hadn't turned around, it'd be very interesting what the Middle East would be like today. It's, it's very interesting. Um, so look, that's that's kind of the end of um, my very quick run through of the First Crusade. I've got, I've got a few myths here I'll throw out. This is probably the big one, right? The Crusades were uh, wars of unprovoked aggression against the peaceful Muslim world. That is not true. It is actually the opposite that is true. And that goes for every single crusade, you know, Christian-Muslim crusade there is. Um, wars are horrible things, and they're a sign of, of the fallen nature of, of humanity. The church uh, has worked out, and at that time um, had a reasonably well-worked-out view of when war wasn't, wasn't justified. The, the crusaders went on crusade because after decades and decades of constant Muslim aggression, they were finally in a position to do something about it. Some, like, some of the Crusaders' grandparents would have had you know, Muslim raiders knocking on their door. You know, this, uh, this is not a bunch of crazy Christians who just you know, had a big night at the pub and decided to go and go on crusade. You know, then these are not angry Christians. These are people going to defend themselves, and it was considered an act of virtue to do so. Doesn't mean every Christian, every Christian crusader was, as I said, was a good person, but the, 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 this is an undeniable fact. <laughs> this is the other one. Oh, they just went there because they were poor and they had, you know, needed to get some wealth. There's two, two arguments against this. One, um, well, it's three arguments. One is what I referred to. We actually have written down why people went on crusade, unless they're all lying, you know, which is possible, but probably unlikely. Um, this is not the case. Secondly, during this period in Europe, there was a number of very, very rich harvests. Uh, people were wealthy. And that's why they went on crusade, because they could afford it, because it was very expensive. And there's another notion out there, that only the, only the, it was kind of the, the third sons of knights and nobles didn't have anything to do, and they needed to go on crusade. But if you look at the list of the crusaders, yeah, sure, a couple were like that, but they're all very, very senior dukes and nobles um, at the time. The other argument is, of course, the practical thing that almost nobody who went on crusade came back. Uh, well, nobody went on crusade, not many who went on crusade stayed, stayed there. Um, those who did come back mostly were in debt for the rest of their life. The Duke of Normandy went to debtor's prison for the rest of his life because he went on crusade. But they didn't, they didn't, um, they didn't make money out of crusading. <coughs> just like, you know, just, well, it kind of, it's a bit different now, but for a long time there, you didn't make money out of um, hospitals. Like in, in, in generally speaking, we don't make money out of hospitals. They are a cost to us uh, as, a, as a society, as to, you know, as to, or, or healthcare. Um, uh, some people might, have, might now, of course, there's very rich uh, doctors out there. Um, but it's kind of that, that idea that you know, you, you, um, the fundamental notion of, of doing this is, is for a virtuous purpose. I've answered that one as well. Um, this, I'll, I might end on this. Uh, actually, no, I'll, I'll end on this one. The Crusaders wanted to convert Muslims to Christianity. There is absolutely no evidence of any Crusader wanting to convert Muslims to Christianity. 
It just simply didn't happen. It wasn't going on. Um, there might have been a couple of converts, um, but it was not a war of religious expansion. Or we're going to conquer these people and then force them to become Christian. It didn't happen. Um, there's no reference to it in any of the reasons why the Pope says go on crusade. There's no reference to it in any of the reasons why crusaders went on crusade. And there's no historical records of that happening. Um, I think there's one or two possible references to you know crusaders trying to baptise one or two dying Muslims on the battlefield. I don't think that constitutes um, uh, what's going on here. Um, even that's not necessarily accurate. So, so that's yeah, that's um. Now, um, uh, I'm gonna, these are all the things we could go through. Now, I'm going to end here um, on two things. One is a very, just a slight tidbit. The first crusade is the, um, was the only crusade that actually conquered Jerusalem. And not long after the Fatimids from, uh, under Saladin, who some of you might have heard of, uh, they recaptured Jerusalem. And the first Christian army... It's not a crusading army, it's very different, but the first kind of Western Christian army to conquer Jerusalem since the First Crusade was the Australian Light Horse in World War I. Uh, very interesting little historical tidbit. That's the only reason I'm putting it in here. Um, but if I could leave you with an image uh, of the, you know, what was the purpose of the Crusades, I've stolen a hypothetical map that I've seen uh, of Europe without the Crusades. And... This should underscore to you, you know, why the Crusades were necessary. So that's Europe without the Crusades. And um, I think this isn't just a fantasy. It's a, it's, you know, it's a reasonable projection. Um, now, look, if you don't dislike Islam, there's nothing wrong with this. But, you know, if you, want, if you believe Christianity has a right to exist and defend itself in kind of a, you know, social way, then without Crusades, this is what you have. Daniel just showed an image of Europe totally taken over by Islam. That was Daniel Hill with The Crusades, A Catholic Atrocity. This talk was recorded at UTS, courtesy of the UTS Catholic Chaplaincy and University Chaplaincies of the Archdiocese of Sydney. For more talks, interviews and shows, visit cradio.org.au.